Welcome back to the second episode of Fake Football Real People. We have Sam, Pence, Solis, Rory, and myself, Garrett. If you listened to last week's episode, we hope you enjoyed it, and we're very thankful that you're back with us. Quick note about some league news today. The COVID opt-out deadline for the NFL was today the 6th. Today is also the first major golf tournament of the season. Brooks Kepka, Jason Day, and Xander Shoffley are off to an early lead. Tiger also had a pretty strong showing and is three shots back, two under par. The Lakers and the Bucks have both clinched the number one seeds. This week, we're going to break down the teams of the AFC West. The Chiefs, the Broncos, Raiders, and the Chargers. Sam, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the Raiders? Yeah, I'm actually really interested about the Raiders this year. Uh, I think they made some really interesting additions in the draft. Uh, they drafted Henry Ruggs as the number one wide receiver in the draft. Uh, they also took Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden Jr., who they'll probably use all over the field this year. Uh, this is still a great offensive line. This is year three under John Gruden, and I'm interested to see how Derek Carr can um, can improve this year. Garrett, what do you think about um, Derek Carr's chances for improvement this year? Well, the last three years, he finished in the top, or I guess his rankings were 19th, 18th, and 17th. He was selected to the Pro Bowl three of his six years. Last three seasons, he's averaged 20.6 touchdowns and to 10 interceptions. Last year, he completed 70% of his passes while also posting 4,000 yards. I think he's almost worth a gamble this season. He's going in around the ADP of 182, not getting drafted in a lot of leagues. He has the 29th hardest schedule for quarterbacks, so he definitely has that stacked against him. Um, also, they added Marcus Mariota. I don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, best line in football last year and should finish in the top five this year. I think Ruggs brings a new level of excitement to this team. That gives him Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams, Henry Ruggs, and a pretty good backup in Hunter Renfro. Pence, how do you feel about the Raiders adding Ruggs? Uh, Henry Ruggs had himself an amazing combine this year running. He ran a 4 seven, four two seven. He measured exactly at six foot, and his hand size is above average at 10 and a quarter. He also put up a 42-inch vertical. He's a freak of an athlete. Uh, I think he comes in as a wide receiver one for them. But, like Garrett said earlier, Darren Waller is probably the number one target on that team. Ruggs, I can see still putting up, you know, 80 targets, probably catches around 55 to 60 passes, and probably puts up around 850 yards. I can see about six touchdowns, too. With that being said, uh, I do like Ruggs and where he's getting picked at the moment. But going to the number one target on that team, Roy, what do you think about Waller? Uh, Waller busted out last year for a career year uh, with 117 targets. And if you look at his three years prior, there was nothing indicating that that was coming. Uh, with the Jared Cooks leaving last year and the opening up for him there, he had a coming out party. And John Gruden obviously had a very good liking for him and liked the things he could do. To me, he kind of reminds me of a young Delaney Walker. They're going to create mismatches for him. They're going to line him up outside. They're going to they're gonna run screens with them. They're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Now, can he repeat the, the 117 targets that he had last year? With the addition of Ruggs, it looks unlikely. But I think you still see him somewhere around the possibly 105, 110 target range. And I still think he is the factor in the passing aspect of that offense. Um, I know Foster Monroe took a few – touchdowns from him last year but I actually really like Waller's uh, chances to actually increase those touchdown numbers this year uh, 
if he can get those looks, I know that Carr looked to him early and often, but I think he has a chance to really improve that. He was the tight end number three last year, and I think you ought to look for him to finish in that top five. Um, Sam, is there any other receiving options on this team that you think are going to be a factor in the fantasy world? Yeah, Roy, I, I did like Connor Renfro um, in deeper PPR leagues coming into the year. With the news this morning that Ruggs is expected to take over those slot duties, I don't see Renfro's opportunity in the offense um, as clear as I did earlier, I believe. I think they do move, they do move Ruggs around a little more, but if, if he is going to handle the slot duties, to me that opens up a, a good opportunity for Brian Edwards. I was a huge fan of this guy coming out in college. I think he's a baller. I mean, he produced on a horrible South Carolina team over his over his four years in college, and he really had nothing around him in a, in a tough SEC conference. So I'm a huge fan of Brian Edwards. I think he was a top 40 pick in the draft if he didn't uh, have a broken bone in his foot and wasn't able to perform at the combine. But he's definitely a guy that um, is going to be interesting to me, especially later in the year. I think Tyrell is, the, is their Z receiver. I think Ruggs is going to handle the majority of the slot duties and be their deep threat. And I think that other outside wide receiver position is open. I think Renfro does still play in the slot a little bit, but I'm going to be look. I'm going to keep a sharp eye on Brian Edwards this year. Now we know that bread and butter last year looked like um, Josh Jacobs. Is that what we're looking at again this year? Is that offense running through them? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, Rory. I mean, they did lose DeAndre Washington, uh, but they did add Lynn Bowden in the draft, and a lot of people projected him as a wide receiver in, in the NFL, even though he played quarterback at college. But they actually announced him as a running back in the draft, and they've mentioned that they want to get him the ball out of the backfield and a little bit at QB this season. So he's an interesting guy to keep a, you know to keep your eye on as well. But last year it was all about Jacobs. He was on pace for 300 carries um, before he got hurt. He did fracture his shoulder in week seven last year and played – a lot of the season um, through that fracture and still played well. Um, he did miss three games, but he was still a um, a very good fantasy option at, at the running back position. He was PFF's most elusive running back and was top five in yards after contact in the league. Um, I mean, he just he was great on early downs. The only problem was is he only got 27 targets and he did not receive a target on third down. To me, that's where his upside lies this year in fantasy. They threw the ball to to the running backs 110 times last year, and he has a really good chance to take over that role. My, my philosophy is Gruden doesn't really trust rookie running backs on third downs. Um, I think that's why they were more comfortable using Washington and, and uh, Jalen Richard in that role. Matthew Barry was interviewing Mayock this offseason, and they asked him, or Barry asked him about uh, um, Jacob's third down role this year, and he said that's phase two and um, – in Jacobs career and that just kind of backs up my, my theory about Gruden I think Jacobs does handle a little more of the passing game this year Gruden said he wanted to get him more touches and I mean if, if he's going to get 300 carries in the year there's really not much more upside for carries so those extra touches have to come in the passing game I don't think he takes over completely but man if he can get 60 targets um, out of that backfield he's going to be a huge pick and in, in, in fantasy before we talk about kind of rankings of Jacobs I will say I don't see a clear handcuff in this backfield. I do like the potential of Bowden, like I talked about earlier, but if Jacobs were to go down, Richard probably takes over the third down role and does have some carries, but I don't see any of them with 
top 20 upside at the running back position. So I, I going into the season, I, I have Jacob as my uh, eighth running back off the board. I, I do think the targets increase, and I think he's in line for a, a huge, a huge season. Uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of catches. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of rushes. I think he's a uh, he's going to be a good back. Guys, where where do y'all see him ranked coming into the season? I actually have Jacobs ranked eight also in my rankings. Gruden and Mayock and those guys saying that they want to get him the ball more is crazy to me. It's, I mean, he touched the ball a lot last year, and the only way I can see that him touching the ball more is in the passing game. So I completely agree with you, Sam. Rory, where do you have Jacobs ranked? I'd love to see him get some more targets included in, but right now I got him at 12. Uh, I definitely see where you guys are at. And I could see him being a top 10 back for sure. But right now, I got him right outside of that top 10. Um, I'm right there with you, Roy. Uh, I see top 10 potential in Josh Jacobs uh, due to the offense getting better and being in more scoring opportunities. I see Jacobs as a high-end RB2 with the upside if he gets factored in the passing game. It's simple as that. Cool. Let's go ahead and flip on over to the Super Bowl reigning champs, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Fantasy-wise this year, in my opinion, they could, leave, they could lead in total team fantasy points on the year. Andy Reid... Uh, has to be in conversation for top offensive mind coach ever, at least in, in the conversation. Looking at what he did with the Eagles and now with the Chiefs, he's fun to watch. Um, the Chiefs scored the fifth most points last year with 451, and I see no reason to believe that they don't stay consistent uh, in, in that similar range. Um, overall, besides a couple guys on defense, Chiefs didn't lose anyone really impactful to the fantasy impactful to fantasy success this year. Uh, so I really see them the, them putting up a lot of points. Uh, one big factor changing with the Chiefs this year is Damian Williams opting out. Um, personally, he's being uh, replaced by someone that I think is better, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, his stock is constantly going up um, every every week, it seems. Uh, Pence, where do you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire currently ranked, and how do you see him fitting in the KC offense? Before I give you my ranking on Clyde, I just want to give you a, a quick little uh, stat. Clyde was compared to Brian Westbrook in the draft by Andy Reid. With Andy Reid in the Eagles, Brian Westbrook finished as running back 10, 18, 6, 2, and 10. That's only outside of the top 10 one time with a running back in Andy Reid's offense. I see Clyde stepping in and being fantasy relevant like right away. He's number six back in my rankings. I'm a huge fan. I can see him catching close to 70 passes this year. Uh, I, I like him this year. I'm going to be all over him in, in the end of the first, late, uh, early second. Yeah, I agree with you, Pence. And going back to what you said about Andy Reid comparing him um, to Brian Westbrook, I mean, a lot of comparisons get made with with young guys, especially in the draft. And a lot of them you can't really pay attention to. But when a when a legendary coach like Andy Reid says something like that, it really catches my eye. Sean Payton said a similar thing about Kamara when he came out of the draft and compared him to Marshall Falk. And a lot of people weren't really – I don't think that caught enough people's eye. I mean, when when a coach like Andy Reid or, or Sean Payton compares you to a Hall of Fame running back, um, you know, that's that's something to, to look out for. And I, I think Clyde is, is – you know, he performs very well this year. I see him with 250 carries, uh, probably 60 receptions, 1,500 all-purpose yards, and, and 10 touchdowns. He's my running back number six this year. I mean – it, it's it's pretty simple, man. It's a uh, move over Damian Williams. It, it, it's going to be the Edwards Alaire show now. When you got that guy opening up in the best offense in the league, 
easy top 10 pick. Uh, I probably got him around eight because just what the Chiefs like to do. Uh, I know they like to throw the ball, but man, that guy's going to, he's going to feast on, on what they want to do. They're going to eat yards. He's going to eat the touches. Uh, to me, it seems like he's going to be the guy, and there's no question about it. He's climbing up draft boards. Uh, just as, as weeks go on, he's been climbing up. So I think he's going to be a big part of what they want to do. Obviously, it runs through Mahomes, but I think that's a guy you want on your team, and he's going to be a difference maker for sure. As far as the run game, he's going to be the top guy, but when you talk about the offense, it goes through Patty Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Now, for me, when I'm drafting, I'm usually not a QB high guy. Last year was actually the first time that I went with a different draft strategy of taking a tight end early, and it benefited me to a point where I was in the championship, but I didn't win it. But Travis Kelsey is a guy who's obviously going to be a league changer as well as Patty. Those two go together like peanut butter and jelly. There's no doubt about it. When he's looking out there, he's looking for Kelsey, and Kelsey's going to eat. I would not take Mahomes in the second round for the fact of I think that's just a little too early for a quarterback for my liking. Some people draft different. Kelsey, if you can get you a good RB1 out of the gate or a good wide receiver one, then I think Kelsey's a good guy to have in that second round. But I think you need to make sure that whenever you're coming back in a snake, that you're drafting and filling your position up with another RB2 or wide receiver one, depending on where you go in that direction. Now, with these wide receivers, Garrett, what are you thinking as far as that trio that they got with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and McCole Hartman? Man, those are three pretty big names when you step back and look at it. Um, definitely not a bad idea to own any of the stock in any three of those guys. I think it's just dependent on where you're taking them. Pat's going to throw it 550-plus times this year, um, but – it's also up in the air. Big question, you know, who's going to be there after Tyreek? Because you got Kelsey, Tyreek, Pat, obviously, and then you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, kind of going to break that down a little bit where started off talking about Sammy. Uh, Chiefs targeted the wide receivers in the passing game 50% of the time. So you're sitting there looking at Sammy going, where do I take him? What, what is he on the list? He's wide receiver 55 right now, averaging. He's definitely their number two starting the season. He also missed two games last year, and was a but was a major part in the playoffs. Um, I believe during the season he missed his mark. Um, I've always been a fan of him, but I'm not going to deny the facts. He didn't have a touchdown after week one until – I don't even think he scored in the playoffs. Um, no, actually he did. He did score in the playoffs. So that rolls me over to Hardman as for my number two receiver out there. Um, he's averaging 20.7 yards perception. He had 26 grabs last season and while tallying up 538 yards and six touchdowns. Only had six targets during the playoffs, but he was also kind of split in time with Demarcus Robinson, who I do not think will have any factor into that Kansas City offense, um, at least going into this season. I see him probably – you want to try to pick him up to kind of fill in – your your back end receivers like maybe your wide receiver five definitely take a chance on Hardman over Watkins in my opinion um, and definitely if you're in a best ball league I think you're staring at McCole Hardman straight in the eye. So to just just to clarify, Garrett, you were saying that you would you like McCole Hardman as a as your wide receiver five option, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you there. He definitely has upside. So at least 
I know you like Hardman quite a bit. You know, what do you think uh, he has in store this season? Yeah, I think uh, I think McCole Hardman has a, a lot of potential. I'm right there with you, five six receiver on on your depth chart. Um, his ADP he's going around in the eleventh round. I think wide receiver forty nine. Um, just a couple stats on him that I think are impressive. Um, touchdowns, his average touchdown per, per reception is 48.6 yards. That's insane. Uh, he has more 20-yard touchdowns in his career than Michael Thomas. Reminder, McCall Hardman was a rookie last year, um, and that's 6-5. to five. Uh, Ranked first in PPR points per target, um, as well as most receiving yards of 20-plus yards tied with Darius Slayton last year, both rookies. Um, I do believe he should jump Robinson this year on the depth chart. I think... Um, McCall had 35% snap share last year compared to uh, roughly 60 with Robinson. I think they flipped there. Um, I like Hardman. I don't know if I don't know if he's going to be drafted in every league, but uh, if you see him in the 13th, 14th, 15th, and on, uh, I think he's worth taking a shot on. Yeah, I mean he he definitely has to be a guy you're looking at that late in the draft because when you have a team that's this explosive on offense and is this good through the air, you just want any piece you can get. And when you're getting a guy basically for free, just you know say. Uh, Say Kelsey or Tyreek goes down, he could be the number two, the number three receiving option on that offense. I mean, he's definitely worth worth the uh, worth taking a shot that late in the draft, and could have huge potential if if there's an injury or two in that offense. Agreed, agreed. And I know we don't completely talk about best ball leagues, but he's a big sleeper in best ball leagues. So if any of you guys playing out there best ball, he's a good one. What do you what do you all have, Sammy? At least for your personal, he's he's really low for me. I I mean he's. He'll have some good weeks. He'll 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 be a third down mover, but there's just so many mouths to feed in this offense. And he's even admitted it. He's not he's not going to be a thousand yard receiver. Um, he knows his role. He does it well, but I just don't think he's really a, an option unless there's some injuries. He he could kind of move up the depth chart. But with his injury concern, uh, he's getting up there in age a little bit. I know he's only 27, but he's getting older. Um, I just not someone I'm really looking forward that late in the draft. Yeah, to answer your question, I don't have McColl and Sammy too far from each other. Uh, late 40s, to be completely honest, I think a lot of the players are taking the majority of those snaps and uh, targets from that team. Yeah. Just one one quick thing on Kelsey out. Man, when when you had a tight end putting up wide receiver one numbers, you got to look at that, especially this year with, with this deep of a wide receiver class. If, if you can get a wide receiver one at the tight end position and then still load up on solid number two and number three options at wide receiver – I think that's a huge advantage for you this year. For me, I'm actually in deeper leagues, end around one. I'm I'm fine with taking them, especially if I compare him with the young running back and then get an Adam Thielen or a you know even Odell in the third round and then flip that in the fourth with a, a Calvin Ridley or a McLaurin or DJ Chark. I, I really like that start if you're at the back half of of round one, and then if he's sitting there at the end of round two or round three, I think he's a must grab. Uh, you just you just got to take them, and you're going to have an elite option at tight end. Hey, Rory, out of uh, curiosity, where do you have where do you have Travis ranked in your your rankings for tight ends this season? Uh, I think he is the tight end one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. I, I, I mean, you could make the argument of of George Kittle, man. Uh, I love George Kittle. I think he's a phenomenal football player, and I think he's a great fantasy football player. Uh, the edge, man. I mean, you got Patty Mahomes. You got the best QB in the league. You got Travis Kelsey. Dude, he, he he's the tight end one. Uh, and I agree with Sam. If if he's on the back end of one and you just absolutely think he ain't going to be there later, you grab him. 
because he's a guy who's going to put you over the edge. He puts up, he puts up running back wide receiver one numbers. He's going to be a difference maker because for me, after that tight end five, tight end six, you see a huge drop off, man. And uh, when you got one of those top guys, especially Travis Kelsey, it's going to be a game changer. All right, cool, cool. Let's uh, let's jump into the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, with the QB change this year, the Chargers are an interesting fantasy team, really at all positions. With Phillip Rivers leaving, Tyrod Taylor will be the presumptive starter, uh, at least at the beginning of the year. Justin Herbert, the Chargers' 2026 26th overall pick, could see the field at some point if Tyrod isn't carrying the load correctly. Um, Off-season-wise, relevant, Keenan Allen has been in the news lately. Keenan Allen recently claimed he is the best receiver in the AFC West. While he, while he may... Maybe the most tenured receiver in the West. That is a bold claim with the likes of Tyreek Hill, uh, who has quickly proven his role. Corlin Sutton, while being still young, has a world of talent. Uh, Roy, I know you're a huge fan of Allen. Do you think he is the best in the West? (laughs) That man, that's a tough question. Uh, When you talk about the talent that the AFC West brings out in the number one wide receiver conversation, uh, I'm going to be honest. I think that Keenan Allen is probably a top three route runner in the league. Absolutely love his game. Uh, but when you talk about the comparison with the two, it's hard to bet against Tyreek Hill because you just can't teach speed, man. And what Tyreek Hill can do is dangerous. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a far gap. But if you're asking me which one I'm taking of the two, it's probably going to be Tyreek Hill. Uh, but, I, again, I love Keenan Allen, man, and uh, I think he's one of the best in the game. For them, it, it's a what-and-what matchup there. Now, when we're talking about fantasy this year, um, it's, it's, it's a tough look outlook for Keenan Allen, man, because he's going from a guy in Phillip Rivers who was leading them at 11th in pass attempts last year to I can see a drop in somewhere to 25th with – the presumed starter in Tyrod Taylor. Um, he ended with 104 receptions last year. I just see him going down, man, closer to the 85th area. Uh, I know that seems like a huge drop-off, but with Tyrod Taylor's game, you're just talking about a whole different ball game, a whole different QB system there. And I don't, I don't see him being able to – bring back that same numbers he's uh, he's done in the past three years. Um, he's been at, at around the sixth touchdown mark, and I think that's something you could see repeat again this year. But as far as receptions and yards, you might see him actually finish below 1,000 yards for the first time in uh, the last three years. But moving over to the counterpart on the other side, you have Mike Williams, who was the wide receiver 41 last year, but he still finished with 1,000 receiving yards, only on 49 receptions, okay? So the reception numbers aren't there. The playmaking ability is. And to me, what Tyrod does best besides running the ball is he's a deep ball passer, man. I think he's got a very good deep ball in his game, and I think that's where Mike Williams thrives. Now, is he going to reach that 1,000-yard mark again? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised to see his reception total go up and his touchdown numbers go up. Uh, To me, I got Mike Williams around the 35 area as far as the wide receiver conversation. And I got Keelan Nallin probably somewhere around the 12. 
So you're going to see a drop-off with that passing game and Tyrod Taylor taking over. I don't know how much I'm interested in jumping on Charger wide receivers early. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not a very big fan of, of Mike Williams. I mean, Keenan Allen's still going to get his. He's Like you said, he's a he's a great route runner, and he's still going to put up a lot of receptions, so he's going to be a solid option in PPR. But I'm just not digging Mike Williams this year, man. He, he's had a lot of opportunities with Phillip. Uh, Phillip likes to throw the ball downfield. He does it a lot, and they just weren't able to get on the same page uh, while Mike has struggled with, with injuries quite a bit. I mean, Tyrod may be a pretty good accurate passer down the field, but he does not push the ball down the field a lot. Um, he's, I mean, Mike will still be their, their deep threat. I just don't see a lot of opportunities in this in this offense this year. I think it's a way more conservative offense, like you said. I think the um, the passing attempts go down. And, I mean, you look, Keenan Allen, if you know, if he gets 130 targets, uh, Hunter Henry needs to be involved. Eckler got over 100 targets last year. I'm just not seeing a whole lot of targets for Mike Williams. Um, the touchdown upside's there. I'm just not really digging it. I, he is getting picked in the 40s, which is fine for me. But I just I'm not seeing a whole lot of upside here. You know, barring some injuries. So, Lise, with that being said, I mean, how do you see Tyrod uh, filling in this offense, and what do you think it means for not only him but for these wide receivers, uh, tight ends, and running backs? Impact on fantasy relevant players personally is on the decline. Uh, you can expect the Bolts to throw a little less. Uh, which will hurt everyone, wide receivers, tight ends, and maybe running backs. Uh, with that being said, I can see the running backs, um, their share going up. They did throw the ball to running backs 31.7% um, of the time, which leads the NFL. That was 182 targets, a big perk for Eckler. Um, and receivers was actually the fifth lowest at 51.3%. Um, Tyrod could be a streaming option certain weeks with how efficient he has been with the ball as well as his rushing upside but I don't see him contributing to your fantasy team week in and week out. His ADP is 204, uh, which is not draft-worthy. Um, so some perks, he is pretty efficient with the ball. In three, season, he, three seasons, he played at least 14 games. He has combined for 16 interceptions, which is really good. Um, and he had 51 touchdowns in that span, which is 3.19 touchdown rate to interception rate. Um, and he's never thrown the ball more than 436 times, though. That's a con, and that's not very good for the likes of Mike, uh, uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and the guys like that. Uh, adding a little bit to his rushing totals in three seasons where he did play those 14 games, 14 touchdowns and 1,500-plus yards. Uh, pretty good there. With that being said, in terms of Tyrod rushing ability, uh, you do have Austin Eckler in the backfield there. Uh, with Tyrod probably going to be throwing off some dump-offs, some short intermediate passes, I think that really boosts Austin Eckler. Uh, Pence, I know you got a, a kind of a little crush on Austin Eckler. How you feel about him this year? Eckler's a special special guy to me this year. Uh, last year, he carried the ball 132 times for 557 yards, but he only rushed for three touchdowns. But here's the interesting part. He was targeted 108 times, which was only second to McCaffrey, and he caught 92 passes. That is crazy efficient, and he did it for 993 yards and eight touchdowns. That's impressive, and I can see him keeping up with that same exact pace, honestly, and I can see his rushing totals going up. Uh, Melvin Gordon leaves this team. He carried the ball 162 times last year. With Justin Jackson being the backup, even if they were to split those two carries, that puts Eckler at 210 to 220 carries. If he got that many and still received the same amount of targets, around 100 targets, instantly top 10 could be talked about in the top five if he's as efficient as he was last year. Justin still, uh, Justin Jackson still an interesting thought. Um, Eckler, 
is going to be the main guy. But if Eckler goes down, Justin Jackson, I think, is a good handcuff to have in this league. So keep an eye on that. Joshua Kelly did get drafted this year by the Chargers in the fourth round. I think they do like him as a talent. But with how the offseason is this year, I don't see him even being a factor into the offense without an injury or late in the season if somebody's struggling. Um, But to go to another player on the team that has some fantasy value to the Chargers, Sam, what do you think about the tight end position there? You talking about my boy Hunter Hendry because he gets hurt so much? (laughs) (laughs) I had him last year. Be careful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the guy stays hurt. Um, There's no question about it. He's only played 41 out of 64 regular season games, but he has been good when he's been on the field. Um, and last year he only played 12 games, but he still finished as tight end number nine in PPR. Uh, he did have a good report with Rivers, which he will lose. But Tyrod did target Charles Clay frequently when he was in Buffalo. I, I do think he likes to work that short, intermediate part of the field, especially the middle of the field. I mean, that's where, where Hunter excels. And So, I mean, I think if he's on the field this year, I, I do like uh, what he can do. Um, he has averaged 12.6 yards per reception, which is very good for a tight end. And that's while battling some injuries. Um, health, like like we've said, has been a big concern. But this is probably the healthiest he's been going into an offseason. This is the second year off the ACL injury, which should bode well for his health going into the year. Tyrod is the presumptive starter, but he will have a short leash. And if, if, he's not, if they're not winning games, um, you're going to see the move to Herbert come. I'm not a huge Herbert fan, but I don't think it really hurts uh, Henry's value. Uh, rookie quarterbacks have um, have always targeted their tight end a lot it's kind of a safety blanket for them over the middle of the field and I, I think if or, or I guess not if when Herbert comes into the game that I think Hen- uh, Hunter Henry will be a uh, will still be one of his main targets you almost called him Hendry again well I can't help it I mean that's that's really he should change his name to Hunter Hendry he, he gets hurt that much I, I like I like Henry this year. If he if he can stay, play 16 games, I, I believe that he can finish in the top six or seven tight ends, especially with how Tyrod used um, Clay back when he was with the Bills. Um, I always keep Hunter Henry on the list, even even if he, he does get injured all the time. But he he missed four or five games last year and and still finished tight end nine. So I mean he, he the talent's there. Just stay healthy. Yeah, and and, and he's he's getting picked seven off the board this year in in the mid eighth round pick. Um, I I don't love that. I wish it was a little lower. But when when you look at the the names after him, yeah, there's some intriguing guys, but none of them are going to automatically see the target share that he probably sees this year. So he's probably getting picked in a good spot. If he stays healthy, he'll probably be a pretty good value where he's getting picked. Hey, I'm going to jump in on this Hunter Henry party as well, man. I I see him as a guy that Tyrod Taylor is going to lean on more so than those outside guys. I still think Keenan Allen's the best receiving threat, but. I think we're going to see them land, lean on Hunter Henry a little bit more. Like you said, man, he's going in the back end of the eighth. Uh, Pink, I think you said six or seven. I think I could see him finishing in the top five as well, man. Like hey, He was there before. I think you could see him finish just slightly higher into that top five, man. And uh, I think he's going to be a threat to watch as you get later in the board around the eighth and ninth round. Oh, if he makes it to the eighth or ninth round, I'm all in. It's like Sam said, seven, seven – uh, seven, is a little rich for me too, even if I do believe that he could finish up there, but there's just a lot of risk in the pick. Absolutely. With his injury history, <laughs> Hunter injury. Yeah. There's, there's definitely that risk there, man. But I think if you have somebody, a safe pick or another flyer there, man, he is a good bet to give you that reward that you're taking that risk on. 
For sure. Let, let's go ahead and flip it over to the Broncos here. Um, this was a team that did rely on the run last year. However, they have changed offensive and defensive coordinators. They're bringing in Pat Shermer to be their offensive coordinator. Um, Shermer's last two years with the Giants, he was ninth in passing attempts in both 2018 and 2019, uh, while being 28th in rush attempts in both years. Um, while I was doing more research on Shermer, I've noticed that he's done a very good job of kind of working with what he has. Um, he's He's been kind of all over the place as far as passing and rushing attempts, not really showing you know, consistent consistency year in, year out. So when I kind of look at this team, I do think it's a team that should probably be balanced or maybe a little run heavy. They they do have two good running backs. Um, they went out and got Melvin Gordon, signed him to a two-year, uh, $16 million deal. So I think they definitely should go with a little more run heavy approach early to kind of ease lock in to this first full year as a quarterback. Rory, with the addition of Melvin Gordon to this backfield, how do you see it playing out this year? Without addition, I, I know that uh, Shermer probably threw the ball a little bit more in New York than they ran, but I think with what Denver has done and with the youth of Drew Locke, though he's growing and showed he could more than handle the, the reins last year, I think they went out and added Melvin Gordon to lean on that run like they did last year. They were middle of the pack. I believe they finished 14th in rush attempts last year, and I think you're going to see something similar this year. Uh, the type of runner that, that Melvin Gordon is, he's a power, he's a one-cut back, he's, he's, he's going to go and he's a bruiser. And you got Philip Lindsay as well who's going to do the same thing. Uh, my thing with Gordon this year, I think he finished at the number 23 running back last year, but you got to remember he was in that holdout and missed four games. The thing that worries me is he's had one season where he's finished over four yards of carry. I think you may see a little bit more improvement. He's going from the old San Diego Chargers line that was, I think, 30th last year to a Denver Broncos who's going to rank around 14 that I'm seeing. I think he has an opportunity to be the early down back as well as the third down back there. But you can't ignore the fact that Philip Lindsay has been a 1,000-yard rusher in back-to-back seasons and is averaging eight touchdowns in his two years in the league. I don't think he goes away. He's going to be a little bit of a thorn into Melvin Gordon's side there. But I do think Melvin Gordon will finish as a top 20 back around the 18 area. As far as Phillip Lindsay, like I said, he's going to be in the mix. You just don't get rid of a 1,000-yard back like that. I think he's more of an early down back where he mixes in. Uh, maybe they're switching series, whatever it may be, where Melvin Gordon comes back on, uh, handles the passing duties. But I think Philip Lindsay, he finished 19 last year. I think you're going to see him drop down more of the 25 area, be a low-end flex. Uh, Gordon, I think, can bring you some RB2 numbers. If he gets the opportunity that I think he'll get, he can be a guy that is going to help you and be a steady, high-floor running back. But I think you need to go ahead and limit your ceiling with him because you got two guys who are sharing the pie there. Yeah, to, to touch on what you were saying, Roy, um, I, I did notice that, that Gordon has averaged, I think, 3.8 yards per carry in basically all of his seasons. But digging in a little more, he averaged 5.1 in the 12 games he played in 2018. And then last year, he you know he, he held out for the first four games, and he was, he was awful uh, the first four games that he did play. But over the last eight games last year, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry, and that was behind a pretty bad uh, Chargers offensive line. So that, that yards per attempt has been going up a little bit. Um, I will say that, when he first came to the to the Broncos this year, I thought it was an upgrade for the offensive line. 
but they did lose Juwan James. He opted out with with you know due to COVID concerns. So they have Garrett Bowles and I mean either a a veteran that hasn't really played or a rookie at at right tackle. I don't like this offensive line much more than I like the Chargers this year. Um, I, I think that it could hurt both of them a little bit. I will say though, you know, while this is a committee. I, I do think Gordon takes over all third down and, and, and mo- most of the targets. He's he's averaged 8.4 yards per catch and a 75% catch rate, which both those numbers are good for the position. Meanwhile, Lindsey has averaged only 6.2 yards per catch. He struggled with drops. Hasn't been a very good route runner. He's not very big and doesn't run block very well. So I think that's the main reason they went and got Melvin is to split this early down work and then to give him all of the third down and goal line work. That's the only reason why I, I do feel comfortable drafting Gordon as a as a later RB two because I do think he has the he takes over the important roles um, for scoring in a PPR league the the third down role uh, still a steady um, you know amount of rushing attempts and the goal line work Pence I, I know we've had some conversations about this backfield and how it shakes out I mean how do you think it shakes out with the addition of Gordon I can agree with the the point that you made about Melvin most likely getting the majority of the receptions I do think Philip will get receptions. But I really see a, a split down the middle. I mean, like Roy said, you can't, you don't take a rookie that rushed for a thousand yards, and then again rush another thousand yards and pull them off the field. It's going to be a two-headed monster, and I think the comparison for the two backs is is going to be the Browns. Honestly, I think it's going to be similar to where Chubb's going to get the majority of the rushing yards, and I can see where this year that Hunt gets a lot more carries. I kind of think that's how the split's going to be, and I, I don't really want stock in either one of these guys, to be honest with you. I'm seeing it as about a 60-40 split favoring Gordon, and he's going at around the end of the third round. How are you guys seeing that as far as them splitting the work, and is he worth that third-round pick, that, that late third-round pick? That For Gordon, to my opinion, that's a little too rich for me, the third now, if Gordon slipped to like the mid fourth to the late fourth, I'm going to jump on it because, like Sam said, the touchdowns could be there and the receptions could be there. But again, I, I'm not, I'm not really interested in taking the risk because I, I can see these guys both end up with 150, 160 carries, which just to me does, doesn't get me where I needed an RB two. I mean, for, for me, Roy, I, I'm, I'm definitely comfortable taking Gordon late in the third, early the fourth. I do think he has a few more carries than Lindsey. I do think he handles most of the third down and passing work and the goal line work. So I think 220 carries is reasonable. If he can average four yards a carry, that's 880 rushing yards. Uh, 60 targets is pretty reasonable as well. If he you know, maintains his career average at 75% catch rate, that's 45 catches, another 350 yards. I mean, you, you put 1,200 combined yards, 45 catches, and, you know, six to eight touchdowns that that's a solid rb2 for me i, I don't really have a problem in that range garrett we i, I know drew Locke's a guy that you've loved really going back to early in his college career um he only played five games last year but he did show some flashes he had a great game against um the horrible texans um <laughs> roasting his own team <laughs> i mean what do you what do you think's in store for for lock this year i mean do you think he breaks out as a fancy quarterback himself do you think he can He's, he, he does enough to support all these weapons around him. What, what do you think? I think he's going to be surprising this year. Uh, personal opinion on personal opinion on Drew Locke, I, I like the guy. As you were saying, I liked him back in Mizzou. Um, he, he just has a sense of style to his game that I really enjoy. But you're right. Last year he only played five games. He went four and one. 
but he also had two game-winning drives and recorded a comeback during that. He doesn't have a crazy good passing side right now. I think he was averaging 204 yards per game. Um, Then you look at it and you say, okay, well, if he's having a problem passing, they obviously have a decent run game, and they obviously have a pretty good, you know, opportunity to have have Gordon, Lindsey, see what they can do to help him move the ball downfield. Um, he also didn't have crazy good weapons at the wide receiver last year. Uh, he had Noah Fant. I, I guess he kind of did because he had Cortland Sutton still. Um, but adding K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy, and then you add a dynamic Melvin Gordon that may give him a sense of style that he really enjoys, and he could blossom with him. Um, I don't see him making the playoffs, but I do see him as a viable pick for anybody looking to pick up a quarterback, maybe their second guy that they're watching to see how he comes out week one, week two. Um, but at the end of the year, he could he could end in the top ten, fancy-wise, for quarterbacks. I think it's a wide-open race, and I think he has just as good of a possibility as some other guys out there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Garrett. To me, he's kind of in the same scenario that, um, that Patrick Mahomes was coming into his second season. Uh, he really hasn't showed much. Um, the arm talent's there, but and he's now surrounded with great weapons. I mean, this is definitely a boomer bust offense. The ceiling is very high, but the floor is also very low. Um, so another second-year guy that I think we're all kind of excited for is Noah Fan. I mean, this guy's a, probably the most athletic tight end in the league right now. Pence, do you think with all these weapons that they add in the offseason, do you think that it hurts Fan, or do you think he, he still carves out a pretty good role this year? I think it makes it a little harder to judge how he gets used because they did add Judy and Sutton's already a star in my eyes and Hamler is a speed demon. But you can't ignore the fact last year, I mean, he didn't start all 16 games. He saw 66 targets and caught caught 40 of them for 562 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he's going to improve on that. I think he sees more targets. Hewerman, um, they released him. Uh, a couple days ago. So, I mean, he vacates a couple of targets. I mean, I think I think he had like 28 or 29 targets. Either way, I mean, he's a freak of an athlete. He can do so much after the catch. I mean, he ran he ran a 4-5. I mean, he's 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 a freak. I do like him. I just have a hard time gauging where he falls into this offense with the running backs, with Sutton. I mean, Judy is was a first-round talent and and he's a and he's incredible. So, it's hard to judge. I do like Fant. I mean, I take him as a late flyer in the draft, and he could he could easily break out and be he could finish he could finish in the top ten if he gets used correctly and sees if he if he saw eighty five targets. Oh, I'm drafting him. I'd love that. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's going to be hard to see the the consistent targets each week with with all the additions um, that they made to the wide receiver core and the addition of Gordon. But a quick stat that I saw that, that really caught my attention. Uh, Fant was top 10 in yards per target um, by tight ends, rookie tight ends since 2007. Here's a list of the names um, that are also in this group. Mark Andrews, Gronk, Hunter Henry, Chris Herndon, which is kind of a flyer, Fant, Aaron Hernandez, Zach Ertz, Jordan Reed, Jimmy Graham, and George Kittle. That's an amazing list. That's a damn. That's a pretty damn good list of names right there. And yeah, his rookie production wasn't great, but it was still the fifth best um, finish by a rookie tight end the last thirteen years. I mean, that's 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 pretty good stuff. I mean, I, the, the targets may not be there week in week out, but 
you're not going to get much more upside by you know a wide receiver. I mean, a tight end too coming out of the draft. So let's go ahead and move on to the wide receivers. Courtland Sutton also, I mean, obviously had a huge year two breakout season last year. Uh, he was a great pick in the mid to later rounds for a lot of for a lot of guys that drafted him last year. I do think his target share goes down a little bit with the additions of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to this wide receiver group, as well as um, Noah Fant's inevitable improvement in the offense. To me, Sutton, he, he doesn't repeat the 124 targets that he got, but if he can stay around the 110 to 115 range, I, I, I do think he can be a very efficient receiver. What Drew Locke loves to do is go downfield with the ball, and to me, Sutton is still the best deep threat on this team. Um, he may not be this the, the blow-by-you guy, but if he has single coverage, if you just throw it up to this guy, he's going to go get it. I mean, there's not it's not really a 50-50 ball when he's going up against most safeties and cornerbacks. He's just too big. He's too strong. He jumps too high for him. So I think that the downfield passing attack is, is where he's going to excel at. I don't think he's going to be a high uh, reception guy this year, but if he can catch 60, 60 passes, I think he can easily uh, go over that 1,000 yards receiving once again, and the touchdown upside is, is pretty big here. So – Sutton's getting picked as a low end wide receiver two, um, even a you know a, a low wide receiver, or a, a good wide receiver three in some in some drafts, and I like him around that range. I don't think he offers a ton of upside, but um, he he's still he's still a solid pick in that range. So for as far as Hamler goes, I, I think he takes over the slot position. I think he's a deep threat out of the slot, but I don't think he sees a whole lot of targets uh, this early. Uh, he's still kind of raw come out of college. He's had some problems with drops, but he's a four three nine guy, and he will have some some big games where he, he busts a couple big plays. As far as Judy's concerned, he was my number one wide receiver coming into the draft. He's just an excellent route runner. I think he comes in and in a couple years he's up there with Devontae Adams and and Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper as far as route running. I mean, this guy gets in and out of breaks like like a like a cat. I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable to me. He, he didn't blow up at the combine, but um, a, a lot of guys kind of had down years from what I was expecting. So I, I'm not really concerned. I think he comes in and, and works the middle of the field, um, can move the chains on third down. It just, it scares me a little bit because Locke has, has locked into Sutton, um, the, the games that he played, and he's not very good at those intermediate passes. He's not very accurate. So his his role in this offense is a little sketchy for me, but I still think he sees uh, close to 100 targets, uh, probably catches 65 passes for 800 yards and five touchdowns. I think he's a solid option, and I think down the stretch next year he could be a he could be a good option for for your fantasy team. Pence, do you are any of these rookie receivers exciting you for fantasy purposes here? I'm with you on Hamler. I, th- I think he could he could catch some uh, big plays. And I don't really see him having like a major role, especially with Fant kind of being probably the better option over the middle of the field and kind of does more how Drew Locke would be more comfortable with. Um, Judy, I can I, I agree with you. I mean, he, he could see, I don't know about 100 targets um, because I still think Sutton probably gets 115 targets, but I, I do see Judy probably around the 85 to 90 range. And I, I can see him still catching five or six touchdowns. I, I like him. I mean, I'm... I'm probably going to draft him in the later of the draft. I'd love to have him and stash him as a flex because, I mean, you got to remember, if Sutton goes down, I mean, Judy is your number two. Yep. Or if, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Locke just just goes crazy this year too and, and has the ability, he definitely has the ability to support 
two top 20 wide receivers. I mean, he has the arm talent. If he if he really excels this offseason and, and, and has a great year, he has the ability to support both Sutton and Judy this year. I agree with you. And like you said, Pat, Sher- Pat Shermer, he's the offensive coordinator this year. Whenever he was with the Vikings, Thielen and Diggs were both fantasy-relevant receivers. So, yes, and a Pat Shermer offense who still runs the ball a lot can have two receivers that are fantasy-relevant. And, and to Drew Locke, to kind of back up Drew Locke a little bit, last year's number two was who? D- Deshaun Hamilton, who who saw, uh, I believe, six targets per game in the, in the five games that – that Locke was on the field. That's why I'm kind of projecting Judy in that 90 to 100 range. I mean, if he can get if he can get six, seven targets a game, he's he should be a pretty a pretty solid option. That's kind of what I'm sitting at. I, I mean, I think I think he can dish a ball, and I think now that he has four valuable option or viable options to throw to, and including Philip Lindsay, I think this guy can go pretty good this season. Yep. So Pence, um, let's go ahead and get into some of the. The duds and busts that we um, are kind of avoiding early on in this draft season. Uh, who, who's the guy that you're just not loving their ADP right now? Evan Ingram, guys. Evan Ingram is getting picked as tight end six, and I'm so confused onto why. This this is he's getting picked in the seventh round for a guy that's only played 25 games in three seasons. That's an average of eight games a season. He's super injury prone, and why would I want to take a guy at tight end six, knowing that he's going to only play half the games? And the year that he did break out, because I know somebody's going to bring that up, all the receivers were hurt on that team. They had no other options. Saquon was not even there. So, I mean, they had no options but to force-feed him the ball. I, I, I have no interest in him. I think he finishes outside the top 12 of, of tight ends this year. So I'm definitely not picking him in the 6th or 7th round. I mean, if he, if he gets l- later into the rounds, I mean closer to like maybe nine or 10. I mean, he, he has a chance, I guess, but I, I don't see him finishing in the top 12 and I have no interest in Ingram this year. Yeah. My bus is going to be Nick Chubb. Um, and I'm not mean, meaning that in a disrespectful way. I'm strictly going off ADP and running back ranking. Um, ADP has him at 15 and a uh, running back ranking at 12. Um, and, but the reason I'm saying this is because I think cream hunt does factor into this offense and his ADP is 72. Um, the margin of that difference is just crazy to me. Cream Hunt brings a lot of value in the targets in the receiving game. 44 targets versus 49 targets last year. Cream Hunt played eight games. Chubb played 16. 37 receptions versus 36 receptions. Cream Hunt played eight games. Nick Chubb played 16. Overall, Chubb is a better back, and I'm not knocking him in that regard. But at his ADP of 15, I can see him slipping behind that with how much talent there is around that range. Um, also, Barkley and Kamara both finished behind Chubb last year due to missing games. I don't see them behind him this year. Looking at Keenan Allen, I'm just – I'm not loving the QB change there, man. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has been under the league average in passing every year that he was a starter when he was in Buffalo. Uh, they led the league in rushing and rushing TDs for those two years, and that's what I think they're going to do. Um, Allen is going in the fifth round right now, which doesn't seem crazy to want to take that guy. I think it's the 21st receiver. Uh, but he's being taken in front of guys like T.Y. Hilton, Lockett, McLaurin, Sutton, Diggs, who's now going to be the number one in Buffalo, A.J. Green, who I would love to have a bounce back here. And it's it's not that I don't like Allen. I just I can't see him producing what he's produced in the past. 
And if you can still get him in the seventh round, sixth round, if he's there, great. But what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't reach for that guy this year. I think you wait and you see if they change to the rookie what happens with him. And uh, and you go from there. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there with, with Keenan Allen Roy. Um, my my bust early on is is Mark Ingram. Man, he's getting picked early in the sixth round as the running back twenty four off the board. He scored ten touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns last year on two hundred and two carries, and had another five touchdowns on twenty six catches. There's no way he repeats those touchdown numbers from last year. I mean, he maybe he rushes for ten touchdowns again, but he's not catching five touchdowns again. There's no way. Um, during his nine-year career, uh, last year was only his fourth season over 13 games played, and he just turned 31. They drafted his replacement in the second round and J.K. Dobbins, and I think all of us here agree that he's just a freaking total stud, and it's just a matter of time before he takes over uh, the volume in this in this backfield. They also still have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill on the, on the roster, and both those guys were involved last year were pretty productive. It just seems like a pretty crowded backfield to me, and this team was 28th in targets to running back, so I don't see a whole lot of upside in the passing department. Uh, I think, like I said, he's getting picked at running back 24. I, I think it's very feasible he gets picked there, but he's just getting picked at his ceiling right now, in my opinion, and I don't like picking guys at their ceiling, especially at their age 31 year with a um, very talented rookie waiting in the wings behind him. Speaking of 31-year-old busts, I'm going to bring up T.Y. Hilton. I know a lot of people at this table disagree with me. Um, last year he battled a hamstring injury all year and played 10 games, caught 60, or got 68 targets and only caught 45 for 501 yards. Yeah, I know he's played games. He played 14, 15, 16 games in a lot of those seasons. But if you actually have watched him, he is listed questionable before every single game, and he is a such a hit or miss. And you really didn't upgrade that much in QB. I mean, Brissett didn't play that bad last year, and Phillip Rivers is... An aging quarterback who does not throw the deep ball well, which is what T.Y. does best, is vertical. Uh, I'm not drafting a receiver that's 31, constantly has soft tissue issues in the sixth round. And to top that off, he actually is dealing with a hamstring injury going into camp already. So I think he finishes outside the top 30 in receivers this year, and I'm not taking a guy like that with all these problems. I agree with you, Pence, that the, the injury this early on in the offseason, especially what he's gone through the last two years, is very concerning. Once you see these guys get up there in age and start having these soft tissue injuries, they normally don't just go away. It's normally something that they deal with. So I, I was I was kind of digging them early on in the offseason, but with the, the injury already, it's just it's it's already scaring me. And I, I don't like – I'm not a, a big guy that, that draft is, drafts guys that are over the, you know over the age of 30, so – He'll probably be a guy I'm staying away from again this year. Yeah, my next bust is going to be Hunter Henry, uh, someone we've already spoken about today. Um, he's going at tight end 8, ADP 76. Um, two reasons I don't like him. One of the going to be the injuries. I mean, 2016 he played 15 games. 17 he played 14. 18 he didn't play. 19 he played 12 games. That just, that just doesn't bode well for me. And then the second is Tyrod, or really the QB change in general. Tyrod, the most pass attempts he's had in the season is 536. Um, and I'm just really not sure if the volume will be there for Hunter Henry. Uh, I think they will lean on the run game a little bit more with Tyrod as well as a rookie quarterback uh, on the hybrid mix there. Um, so my overall reason for the bust is his tight end rank eight in which you combine the QB change along with his injuries. He's averaging nearly seven games missed per year. With tight ends being really the most limited fantasy pos football position, I don't like the idea of putting much stock in Hunter Henry uh, in round seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it. If you're concerned about injuries, that's – 
it's definitely pretty high to pick him. But um, my second bust this year is Stephon Diggs. Uh, he's going off 65th overall in the seventh round at wide receiver 27. It's it's a low-volume passing offense that still wants to run the ball a lot. They added Zach Moss to Devin Singletary, and I think Zach Moss could be a huge upgrade over Frank Gore this year. Uh, Josh Allen has only completed 53% of his passes his rookie year and then 58% last year while only throwing for 3,100 yards and 20 touchdowns. They still have John Brown, who was great with, with Josh Allen last year, and Cole Beasley. And I just don't think Diggs is going to be a consistent producer week in, week out. Um, some guys that are getting picked around him that I like a lot better that have bigger upside, in my opinion, are McLaurin, uh, Devontae Parker, A.J. Green, Hollywood Brown, and Tyler Boyd, just to name a few. He's also battled injuries throughout his career and hasn't played very well while battling these injuries. Uh, he kind of demanded his way out of Minnesota because he wasn't getting the consistent targets week in, week out. And I just don't see him getting getting those targets in this in this uh, Buffalo offense. So I think he could complain again here. I just I'm not loving the fit early on, and he's probably a guy I'm going to be avoiding. Yeah, I agree, and especially with him coming into this team this late with COVID going on, he has even less time with the team. And for for that um, wide receiver two over in at the Vikings. I mean, he, he didn't even put consistent numbers up with Kirk Cousins. Josh Allen is no Kirk Cousins in any way, shape, or form. So I completely agree with you. I, I'm not I'm not interested in Diggs this year. Yeah, I, I don't think the targets go up, and there's there's absolutely no way the efficiency goes up. I mean, at the end of the year, he may put up wide receiver 27 numbers, but I don't like guys that go four for 131 week and then two for 16 the next week. You just you can't do you can't do much with that. So. Uh, like I said, he's a guy that we stay away, staying away from at his current ADP. Cool, guys. That's a wrap. Thanks for everyone who listened to Episode 2, AFC West edition of Fake Football Real People. If you have any additional feedback, please feel free to reach out via Twitter at FFRP underscore podcast. We plan on putting up a new episode each week, potentially two throughout the season. Join us next week as we discuss the NFC East, plus some of our favorite picks for the draft this year and some bold predictions. 